I am going to do a little bit of review. Uh, if you were not there, or chances are even if you were here, uh, you forgot. And that's okay. Sometimes uh, we're like the Athenians that Paul described in the charismatic movement that always want something fresh, something new, something sensational. And the problem is uh, we haven't mastered what was taught even last week or the week before. And so we just want new and fresh and sensational and we're failing at discipleship. And so we love review, especially in academics. Uh, we do that at Maranatha School of Ministry. We prep them for the midterms, for the finals. But in the church, we don't really care for review. Uh, we, don't, we just want to get on to something new. And so I want to uh, do a little bit of review on what we talked about last week. And then the title of this morning's message is called The Gift of Being Overlooked. The gift of being overlooked. How many of you have ever been overlooked in your life? Maybe it was a promotion at work. Uh, maybe it was uh, somebody got a, a, a position somewhere that you thought that you had. Whether you've been overlooked now, I promise you, you will be overlooked uh, in the future. And uh, my goal is to help us to understand what a gift being overlooked really is. Because it gives us an opportunity to place our heart before the Lord again, different than I was chosen, I'm here, and we're moving on. So when that disappointment and you have to adjust and you thought you were going one way and you thought you were the right man or woman for the job and all of a sudden things don't turn out the way that we want them to, I want to encourage you, this is a true gift from the Lord to help us evaluate the motivations and the intentions of our heart. So um, we're going to jump in. I uh, want to remind you, Sarah and Brandon and some of the team are in Iraq now. Uh, how many of you know Sarah Coker? Okay, she is on fire. Okay, we cannot get her married because she scares all the guys away. The moment she prays, she's great at administration. She's a fiery intercessor. So she's taking the boys and Lisa over to Iraq. They're doing like 50 straight hours of prayer and worship. She doesn't let them sleep during the day. They take the night set so that their time zones don't even um, get, get off track. But there was one poor brother that went with them who's never even been on a flight before. So imagine you've never flown, and here's a 16-hour flight. And if I know Sarah, she put them in the very back of the plane near the bathroom, and I've just been up interceding all night for them, laughing hysterically. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fruitful. I'm sure we're going to hear testimonies, but <laughs> that's a mission trip, okay? You, you gotta, Sarah is going to take care of those, those boys. So be praying for the team. And then also, if you don't know, um, Dave is here, perfect. Dave Vespa, one of our elders, and also David Santiago. Uh, these gentlemen are headed to Africa this week, and um, they leave on Thursday and will be back the 12th of November. So uh, quite a little bit of a journey. David and David, will you guys stand up just real quick and hold hands? And let's, 
How many of you know we're, we're ascending, a releasing, a funding? We want people to fulfill the call of God on their life. Amen? We just want to support them and bless them uh, with our prayers. Yeah, stretch your hands out. Or next time we're going to make you go. I said, just pray for, I mean, would you rather pray or go? I mean, they think they want to go, but they haven't been with Dave Vespa on the mission field either. That's what we need to get Sarah and Dave on one trip. Oh, my Lord. That'll be a weeding out mission trip. You can go for one day. You can go for three days. Father, we bless our brothers. Lord, we bless these fathers. Lord, we ask for a hedge of protection around their families, their marriages. Lord, we ask even now, Lord, that you would lift their spirits, that you would lift their heads, that you would allow them to focus on the divine assignment, Lord, that you've unfolded and you've unveiled. Lord, we're asking that you would make a way. Lord, I ask that you would send them out. I just hear the Spirit of God saying, I'm sending you out to make way for the day of the Lord. This will be a pioneering trip. This will be a plowing trip. Don't get discouraged. Don't, don't get dismayed. There's going to be some twists and some turns that were unforeseen. But the Lord says keep walking one foot in front of the other as there will be a trailblazer anointing upon you. You're not just going for yourselves. You're going for a people that haven't even arrived yet. Just see a message coming of help is on the way. It's here now, and it's coming behind us. Lord, bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, if you have in your Bibles, would you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Last Sunday, I talked about a season of divine fitting, and I actually played a prophetic word not once but twice. Does anybody remember any part of that prophetic word? I'm hoping that just even if it's five seconds, ten seconds, I always highly recommend tape recorders when someone prophesies over you because you're going to remember about 5%. And the other 50% you think you heard really wasn't what you heard. We just have a tendency to make it up in our minds because that's what we really wanted to hear. Ha ha. But we talked about a season of divine fitting. How here at Heart of the Father Ministry we're in a season of transition where God is calling forth His body. We talked last week Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He's the foundation of the church. He is the chief cornerstone. It's all about Jesus. We talked about the blueprint of the church, how the Lord has called apostles and prophets to reveal Jesus Christ as the foundation, as the source. And as we minister, we adore, we worship the Lord Jesus Christ. It's out of honoring Him that the members of the body begin to come alive. So how many of you consider Heart of the Father your home church? Look around you. How many of these members are in operation? Keep your hand raised. I mean, Sissy already paved the way to make it awkward, so just wave at everybody. How many of these hands are in operation? How many of the gifts 
and call and talent and grace that's in this room, about what percentage do we believe is actually functional and operational? Now, for me, I always want to take us back to the Word of God. I hope that's okay. Is that okay? I want to take us back to the Word of God, and, and I want to just point out to us this morning that a lot of what we're fighting concerning the body of Christ participating, each member of a body getting involved, is just simply what I call entertainment. Now you might say, well, brother, you're charismatic, we're Presbyterian, we're Baptist, well, that church is really deep, that church is really shallow. I just for a moment want you to put away denominations. I want you to put away how deep we think and churches or not. And let's get back to the blueprint of the New Testament church revealed in Scripture. There is a blueprint in the New Testament that encourages us, it reveals to us how you and I can become a member of the body, but there's been a spirit of entertainment that's crept into the church, and it doesn't matter what denomination you're a part of, it doesn't matter whether you feel like your church is deep or shallow, but Francis Chan, who knows Francis Chan, a great brother, he, he describes this entertainment spirit and the fruit of it. He says the benchmark of success in church services has become more about attendance than the movement of the Holy Spirit. The entertainment model of church was largely adopted in the 80s and 90s, and while it alleviated boredom for a few hours a week, it filled our churches with self-focused consumers rather than self-sacrificing servants of God. The entertainment model of church shifted large portions out of, of the church out of the New Testament blueprint. Jesus Christ is the head. The members of the body have been given. And who holds the body together? The answer last week surprised many of us. It's not Jesus. It's your neighbor. The members of the body being fitted together now I've got some large puzzle pieces up here from my son. This is one of his favorite games, okay? Puzzle pieces. So there are puzzle pieces in this room. And if you're a member here, we've got to believe, according to 1 Corinthians 12, that God has placed each member in the body just as He desired. So the fact that you're here tells us we're not complete. That's why it's hilarious when people walk into a church and say it's messed up. Duh. That's why you're there. So rather than complaining and moaning about what the church doesn't have, you're probably there because you're one of the missing puzzle pieces. So we... 
Thank you. One person. So we've got to believe that there are pieces of the puzzle in this room and that in order to accomplish God's will and desire through Heart of the Father ministry, we just can't have one or a couple of the puzzle pieces being willing to be fitted together and function. We've got to have everybody. We've got to have everybody. But this entertainment thing swept in and has made us spectators, not participants. And the challenge is we want to put all our eggs in the basket on Sunday. Because that's all we have time for, right? Because we're all busy. So clearly, I mean, hey, at Heart of the Father, we're deep because we're two hours. Wow, brother, you guys are just, you're on fire. Your service is two hours. Where I came from, it's more like a drive through 45 minutes. Do we really believe that all the members of the body can function two hours on Sunday? It's not, it's not a trick question, not rocket science. So could I point out to you, this is why so many are frustrated and irritated and upset with the church because they think that everything has to be done an hour or two on Sunday. That if you really love the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they'll never flow enough for you on Sunday. Whatever your flavor of ice cream you like, healing, well, brother, there wasn't enough healing this morning. Duh. The worship wasn't long enough. Duh. The preaching wasn't long enough. Duh. Because whatever that you like and whatever that you enjoy was meant to be experienced 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But if we just get a bunch of puzzle pieces, it all better get done Sunday from 10 to 12. We're already in over our heads. We're already setting ourselves up to feel overlooked. We're already feeling like I can't get plugged in. I can't. So where I want to go this morning, are you with me? We talked about unity. We talked about the Holy Spirit last week. We talked about Jesus Christ as the head. We talked about all of these puzzle pieces. And this morning we're trying to get away from entertainment, hanging out, spectating, watching the anointed performance. To my daughter was down here seven years old and there was some young lady in this room that went and prayed for her, a member of the body functioning. I just wonder, so there were members of the body functioning up here. I'm functioning. But is anyone else going to function today? Or to my point, how can we function the rest of the week? Because there's no way that the body will ever function just on two hours a week. So we know that God wants to fit us together to be his body where i want to go this morning is what happens when the puzzle pieces don't fit <laughs> right because all the pieces of the puzzle that we need are here to function and fulfill the call but what happens when you're not a good match with so and so 
What happens if you get two business owners in a church who are personality type A and baby, their way is the highway? I'm pretty sure one of them's going to want to be in charge. What happens if you've got one person that has the gift of healing and every time his gifts functions, he draws crowds. But your gift is hospitality. You love hospital visitation. Wait a minute, we can't put that on Facebook. Oh, brother, I'll never do jail ministry. Why? Because I can't be on Facebook Live. Okay. Sissy, come back up. Just kidding. All right, let's take Billy Graham. Who likes Billy Graham? I was out in Missouri all week doing some television with his daughter, Ann Graham Lotz. Just a precious saint. Let's, let's listen to Billy. Some people have a warped idea of living the Christian life. Seeing talented, successful Christians, they attempt to imitate them. For them, the grass... On the other side of the fence is always greener. But when they discover that their own gifts are different or their contributions are modest, they collapse in discouragement and overlook genuine opportunities that are open to them. They have forgotten that they are here to serve Christ and not themselves." Should I ask myself and should you ask yourself, do I have a warped idea of God using me? Is there any delusions of grandeur that I have where I think I'm carrying some grace and some gift that really I don't have? See, when you get in a family and you get in a body of believers and you start trying to fit the pieces, listen, we've got to settle. God has placed us here. You probably heard me going cuckoo last Sunday. I'm like, listen, did God call you here or not? If God called you to a body, it doesn't work. matter if the worship stinks, if the preacher's unanointed, if the kids' church doesn't have a Chick-fil-A playground, all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> Did God call you? Yes, if God called you to be a member of His body, there's a grace, there's a gifting, there's a call on your life that God knew He wanted to place you in that body and fit you together. But what happens when people around you start getting fitted and you feel like you're being overlooked? Just going to be a little prophetic here. I smell it all over this room. Now I'm just being weird. I want you to wave your hand if you're a member of this body at Heart of the Father. There's a place for everyone at the Father's table. Bunch of puzzle pieces here that God has drawn. Some He's drawn from afar. How many of you have moved here from outside of Lakeland in the last year? Raise your hand high. 
I want you to stand. If you've moved to Lakeland in the, in the past year, I want you to stand. Okay, you can be seated. See, you clapped, I have the fear of God on me. To me, that wasn't something to say woo-hoo. That was something to say, oh, dear Lord Jesus. Because clearly, there's such a big destiny here that who we had here wasn't enough. The Lord said they'll need more to get to their destiny. Whoa! From the north, the south, the east to the west. Sorry, baby. Woke her up. <laughs> Just want you to feel the weight that God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose. He has a destiny for your family and your marriage. But there's always a plan and a call corporately, too. Why has God joined you to this body? I want to encourage you. It's not so you can rot on a pew. It's not so that you can just walk in and out. We're in a season at heart of the Father of divine fitting where God is beginning to join pieces that have not been previously fit, he's going to dislodge pieces that were fit in order to make room for new pieces too. But we can talk about unity. We can call the gifts forward. We can say, Lord, there's room here. You have your 1 Corinthians 3. So Paul's at Corinth. And just for fun... We're going to say he's at heart of the Father this morning. I know teachers don't kill me. I'm not taking it out of context. I'm just trying to make an application. Okay, so if you look at chapters 1 and 2, Paul is at Corinth, and he's talking about unity, chapter 1. Chapter 2, he talks about the reliance of the Holy Spirit, not with mere persuasive words, but a demonstration of power so you're like, all right, we're feeling it. All right, we're, we're talking about unity at heart of the Father. We're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then he says something interesting in verse chapter 3. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as babes in Christ. Paul, stop. I mean, seriously. Like I thought we were good, like unity and come together, heart of the Father, and hold hands, and let's do it the Spirit way. And Paul's like giving an apostolic time out, like, nope. I see a bunch of puzzle pieces that the Lord wants to fit together. Verse 3, but he said, you're still fleshly. For since there is jealousy... And strife among you, are you not fleshly? Are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? Ouch! <laughs> I'm just in a whole new season. My students at 
Maranatha are like, you are so joyful. Like, you're like vacation Jeremiah. What happened? It's been weird since my transition. This is my second week up here, and I'm just like looking at all of you thinking, man, they're intense. They're really, what have I done here the last nine years? You guys need to chill out. So we got pieces of the puzzle, and what happens if we're being overlooked, we're having a hard time fitting in? What happens, though, if maybe the reason why we're not fitting in is because God is trying to expose our hearts? What happens if God is intentionally allowing you to be overlooked because there's something in your heart that's not right? Because when you get overlooked, what rises up in you? It's usually not the Holy Spirit. (laughs) I was asking my wife in the bathroom last night, tell me a time when you were overlooked. What's some things that come to your mind? I'm better than them. I mean, we just have these conversations in our heads that are completely carnal. We list our rap sheet. I mean, we're talking about what we've done and what we've accomplished. And usually, we feel the need to tear them down so that we feel better than ourselves. And I could do it better than the preacher. And I could do it better than the guy at work. And oh, my cousin or my nephew or my brother, he's really a... I almost said a bad word. He's really a fool. I'm here serving the Lord. You know, isn't it interesting? A lot of times we think because we serve God that we deserve better. You guys know the story of the elder brother in Luke 15? Felt like he was slighted, felt like he didn't get his inheritance what he deserved. I just want to be honest with you. There are many seasons in our lives where God will intentionally bless the prodigals around you just to show you your self-righteousness. Oh, yeah. I think he loves to do it because he's after our hearts. He's going to bless all the people around you. I mean, you're like serving the Lord. You can barely pay your bills. And your brother, the drug dealer, just got another promotion, another. And you're like, what the heck, God? Can't you see me? I'm over here suffering. I'm over here. What happens when we get overlooked? What, what happens when promotion and favor and success and anointing? What happens when it's for everyone but us? What happens when you were sent to a church and it's taking way longer than you thought to get fitted? Because I'm just telling you, this is what I believe the Lord is saying to many of us. Oftentimes, the puzzle pieces, they don't fit together. And the reason why they don't fit together is because we have to go back to God and go back to His saw and actually let Him cut in the right dimensions in our puzzle pieces so that we can fit together. 
Sent two people to heart of the Father, obviously these don't fit. But I guarantee you if we go back to the Father and let Him deal with our jealousy and our pride and our insecurity, when we let Him deal with us, when we come back together, we'll fit correctly. Does this sound like marriage to anybody? Lord, I'm looking for the perfect one. I mean, I'm looking for that match. I might have a different take on this. I I don't really see that as what God did for me. The perfect match. God gave me the perfect match from His perspective. But if the goal of marriage is holiness and not happiness, some of you are like, I mean, I guess everyone just has a great marriage in here. You said I do, and you've never had a problem. Is that everybody here? I mean, you were just so divinely. But what you have to do when you started having arguments, when you started having disagreements, when you started not seeing eye to eye, welcome to the church of Jesus Christ. Well, they don't, and they're not, and just wave. I'm here. But if you feel overlooked this morning, if you feel like you're not being used with the gifts, the call that God has given you, I want to encourage you. It's a gift and an invitation to come back to the heart of God and ask Him, Lord, would you put your saw on the edges of my heart? And if there's anything in me that's causing me not to be a fit in your body, I'm asking that you would work on me. I hope that we could make the same prayers in our marriages. Lord, I'm not agreeing. I'm not seeing eye to eye. I don't have the same perspective. And instead of just sitting there and, you know, I've done some counseling. It's like ready, aim, fire. Usually if you just stop the gunfight and say, listen, Linda, listen. You go work on you. You go work on you. And I promise when we come back together, we'll have a better fit. But rather oftentimes than go back to the Lord, we just operate in the flesh and we attack and we criticize. And here's why I woke up early this morning. I have a rumble in my heart and and here's the rumble. I believe that for some of you, destiny is literally on the line right now in your life. This might just seem like a message about getting involved and participating and asking God to check on your heart, but I believe destiny is on the line, and this is what I feel in my spirit. If we cannot begin to bless others in a season where we feel overlooked, you will never be seen. Unless we learn how to rejoice with those who are rejoicing, unless we learn how to mourn with those who mourn, we will never get to our destiny. 
Can you, in a hidden season where you don't feel like you fit in, and God has clearly chosen someone else to fulfill that role in the body, are you going to criticize them? Are you going to be resentful toward them? Are you going to constantly, literally curse them underneath your breath? Or can you become their greatest encourager and their greatest supporter? To me, this is called fathering. Coming alongside of people. See, often, I've often said, fathers don't compete, they commission. Fathers come along, mothers come along, sons and daughters, and even if they know or they think they can do it better, humility would say, clearly God has chosen someone else in this season. It's time to get behind them. And again, I'm going to go back to Billy. What if our fitting for us means I'm having to do something when maybe your fitting in this season is a support role? Well, brother, God called me to this body, so I better be in full operation. Maybe. But maybe God brought you to this body to be next in line. And your ability to get to the front of the line is how well you do in the back of the line. I believe that so many people's destinies is absolutely sabotaged because they could never learn. We just dealt with a guy for years. He believed he was called to preach. He believed he was called to prophesy, to lead ministries. Here was his rap sheet. He could never sit at a ministry. He could never serve anywhere. You know why? He wasn't leading. I'm just going to hop from church to church, ministry to ministry, trying to find where I can demonstrate my gifts. And 12 years later, he's still derailed from the call of God because before he could really step into his own vision, he never wanted to serve someone else's. And I know the hardest thing to hear is you're not ready. but I'm more qualified, I've got, stop. It has nothing to do, and again, this is where I believe God is intentional. He intentionally promotes people who you think are less than just to expose how much you trust in the works of your own hands. I can prophesy better, I can preach better, I can serve better, I can clean better. You're wasting your time. That's a pit. That's not going to lead to your destiny. So you know how I just flipped it on its lid, Dave? I just started saying years ago, Lord, I want you to bless all the people around me. I want you to pour out your blessing. I just started praying blessings on whoever I could think of. Lord, bless them. Pour it out on them. Lord, I'm praying for a little door. I pray that you'd open up 28 billion doors. She'll never pray those prayers if you're jealous. You'll never pray those prayers if you think you can do it better. So when we get overlooked 
and someone else seems to have the favor and the promotion and the influence, it's a gift. Why? It gives you an opportunity to come back in the place of prayer and examine your heart like never before. And you would have never done that if you just got tapped on the shoulder and said go. Can we thank God for the seasons where we weren't exactly fit together? That's what I thought I heard Brother Emery say this morning. Thank God for the seasons where I wasn't exactly who I needed to be so that God could do His work in me and get me to where He wants me now. All right, how's your heart doing? All right, we're just going to close our eyes for a second and just do a great spiritual exercise and discipline. Think of someone and say, God bless them. Just one second. Just close your eyes. God bless them. All right, you get somebody? All right, think of someone you don't like. Now we're going to see if you're Christian. <laughs> Go ahead, even if it takes 10 minutes. I'm serious. What are we doing? We're cleaning out the toxin in your life that is preventing you from getting to your destiny. Those who betrayed you. Those who stabbed you in the back. Lord, bless them. Empower them. Release them. Lord, I want to be their greatest cheerleader. Even the babies in travail. More, Lord. I've been teaching our ministry students a principle having to do with money. And again, Sissy, thank you so much for already making it awkward. Here's what I believe about money in the ministry and the kingdom. You sow where you want to go. People that I meet all the time that want to be Todd White, they want to be Bill Johnson, they watch their YouTube, they watch, I ask them, why aren't you giving them any of your money? Oh, so you're going to be a sign and a wonder and a miracle to this generation. You're going to fill stadiums. Why aren't you sowing where you want to go? You know what that requires? Humility. You know what that requires is posturing your heart below, saying, clearly there's someone doing something that I would love to do one day, but in this season of my life, I'm going to serve them. You just don't hear about this anymore. Maybe Daniel Kalenda and Reinhard Bonnke are the only, it was maybe one of the only examples I know of anywhere where a son desired something a father had, and rather than saying, hey, Dad, can you call some appointments so I can preach the big crusades like you? This guy humbled himself, stripped him of any value and worth, and he served a father, and after serving a father, then God saw it fit to release him and give him the keys. But we just want it down in the line. Bam! Man, that guy's so anointed. He's just... And really, when you say he's so anointed, what really you're communicating is that's an individual that's found their place in the body and they're comfortable with it. 
But if we so desire, if we so admire, where is the heart to humble ourselves and serve and get invested and want nothing back in return? You sow where you want to go. Finances, service, hours. It's like the phenomena right now in college football. You get a new head coach and he better win 12 games in the first year. And now you can't recruit students because they don't want to buy into it takes years to build a culture of excellence and dominance. So the generations that are rising, I'm talented, I'm gifted, give me the football field. I was meditating this week on Samuel and David. David didn't even make the lineup. (laughs) Samuel, the great prophet, not one word falls to the ground, and he shows up at Jesse's house looking for a king, and Jesse lines up his sons and doesn't even put David in the line. I feel like I'm talking to somebody today. It's just one. He's out there with the sheep doing what he always did. This is the one time I know Samuel was rebuked in all of Scripture. Outside of toward the end, his sons were wicked. What does the Lord say to Samuel? Man looks at the outward appearance But God looks at the heart. Whether you're walking in divine destiny right now or you feel totally overlooked or out of place, can I introduce you to a God that not only knows your hearts but knows the motivations of them? Jeremiah, how do I get settled in a season where I feel overlooked, where I'm in a body, but I'm having a hard time connecting. God knows your heart. And if He is the God that knows your heart, do you really trust in His ability to put you where He wants you in the season that He wants you in? Spoke to a young man the other day who has the gift of healing. 25, 26 years old, newly married, kids, doesn't really feel like he's fitting in a body in another state. So because he's not fitting, he's going online now and he just sits in front of a camera and watch me work and watch me nay-nay or not really, but (laughs) healing and you know, and he's getting five followers or ten, and, you know, he's, he's acting online like he's in the glory, but really internally he's like, what the heck? And of course, he really didn't like what I had to say. I said, brother, maybe God who knows your heart has chosen not to open up a door for you publicly because he's trying to work on your heart internally. 
you're interpreting your season of hiddenness as a curse rather than you don't understand you've been given the gift of being overlooked. He clicked me. Conversation over. But I mean, how are you interpreting your season? I mean, of course, I told him, how's your marriage? It's so funny. People in ministry, they call and I'm doing this for the kingdom and I've healed this many and I've prophesied and I'm like, how's your marriage? But I've been saving souls and I've been preaching. How's your kids? But we had a crusade and I was on television and... The God who knows your heart, do you really believe He's more concerned about what you can do for Him in His kingdom? I'm just, these seasons where, Lord, I've got it. I've paid the price. I've done it. I've been telling some of our Maranatha School of Ministry students, get ready for when no calls come when you graduate. What do you mean? I just spent the last and the most amount of money to get ready for for what? What does your prayer life look like? Here's what it, Lord, you know my heart? You know what you've put inside of me? Lord, when I'm ready, please open up those doors. But again, we live in this generation of... We're just pushing and we're fighting and we're Facebooking and we're jockeying and it's a competition and who can have the most of this and who can get the most of I, I invite you off that rat race today that's full of so much shipwreck. What if the Lord could gather members of a family together that were comfortable in their own skin? that weren't intimidated, that weren't jealous of other gifted and called people who maybe could do it better than them or could do something better. Praise God. Lord, thank you that every need is being met in this body. But I want to reach out to someone that's in a season where you feel overlooked. Can I just talk to people with kids for a minute? Young kids... Because a lot of times married couples, especially young kids, rather than letting God deal with your heart, you allow intentionally your kids to distract you. Rather than sitting, and I, 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 I'm, I'm just speaking by the Spirit, you judge or test it. I have seen God come after moms or, or dads in a church service and really, if we're fitted, you should be close enough to maybe a girlfriend, maybe a guy, and say, hey, brother, the Lord is really trying to work on me right now. Can you hold Johnny for like 20 minutes where God rips my heart out right now? What if we were fitted together like a family where you didn't have to come to church again and again and again because most of young, I got nothing out of service. Why? I just chased Johnny around. We went to the bathroom. We went to the, we went to the, you're wasting time in a season where God is trying to deal with your heart. Are we getting before him and saying, God, come and have your way? I hope that we become that tight knit. Hey, a marriage is struggling. 
Why do we need Dave Vespa to get a word of knowledge? There are marriages struggling in her. <laughs> or you were just that married group. Someone shared, hey, we're struggling. Why aren't you gathering around them at the next service? Why aren't you just... I mean, to me, it just is natural. So Dave and Julie share, and obviously I always, people think I'm prophetic and I'm not being, so they have a great marriage. That's, that's true, but I'm using them as an example that they don't, but they have a great marriage. Did everybody hear me? It's on recording. I literally got a guy fired one time. I went to a church and used him as an example. This, some of these guys are laughing. It's a true story. I just nonchalantly talked about how he was burned out and he needed to sit down. And the pastor the next day fired him and said, the prophet said you were burned out and needed to sit down. That was horrible. Okay, getting back. So they share at married group. Who in here, who in here knows Dave and Julie well? Okay. That's praise God. I'm seeing like a hundred members of the body. If they show up on Sunday, whether they're, they've got kids or not, how do we do like a blue 42, set, hut, hut? We run a play, okay? And two of us that have a burden for them are going to come and steal the kids. I got them, and then it's going to free up Enrico and Yorana to come back on the 40 and bam, tackle them in the spirit and say, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Just practically, a lot of times I've been talking to people, oh, I don't have a spiritual father. I don't even know what that means. I don't have a spiritual father. How many fathers are in this room? Raise your hand. Like you have natural kids. Raise them high. Wave like you just don't care. Hello, hello. Okay, so then I'm literally going to make you mad. I don't believe that you could come to this church and say, I don't have a spiritual father. Because again, what we're expecting is I need somebody, some mighty giant of the faith who has won 100,000 souls and has a million followers on Facebook. Anybody in here been married a while? Anybody in here become a great father? Anyone in here? There they are. It's called coffee. The church is not going to have a sign up in the lobby. If you need a spiritual daddy, please sign up. Is that pretty clear? Like, phone call. It's two ways. You meet with someone. It's not working out. Find someone else. But again, oftentimes we're bitter, we're wounded, we're rejected, we're hurt, we're jealous. We're, well, this spiritual father has, has got ten, and I'm like fishing in the pond over at Maranatha, and I can't even hook one. <laughs> I got a little secret. You'll probably hook more if you buy him food. Okay, You didn't hear that from me, but... Probably fill your house if you have pizza. That's how my wife and I did college ministry for two years. Pizza, hungry howies. They literally didn't even pay us money to pay our bills. I'm not even going into that. How would you like to? No, 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 no. There's members in this body, a family that God has gathered here, a bunch of glorious 
pieces. You've got a story. You've got a history. You've got a testimony. It's okay. Please don't expect that you're just going to lock into place and get riding and get rolling and get going. And sometimes you're going to feel the Holy Spirit say, you need to connect. But other times you're just going to feel the Holy Spirit say, wait. But if something is eating at you, that's what I felt when I woke up. This is like this, I got to, I got to do this. I got to, I'm missing out. I, I got to. If you get into it through striving, you have to maintain it through striving. And you're going to get tired. How many of you know sometimes you, you just you push on that door so much? And the Lord's like, go ahead. And down that path is littered with destruction and broken relationships and damage. And Lord, I just want to be where you want me to be. But is there a place? Is there a seat at the table? I say yes. So David doesn't even get invited to the lineup. Samuel goes through and all his brothers and thank God the prophet, you know, hey, is there anyone else? Yeah, there's this little shepherd dude. Maybe we've got some little shepherd boys in here, girls. And you might be 50. It's another thing, right? How could God use this guy at 25 and I've been over here at 65? When you divert your attention off of God and onto someone else, you're wasting time. And again, I'm just telling you, if the Lord discerns that's an issue, you better get ready for the floodgates. There's going to be blessing flowing all around you, and the only drop and the only person it's not going to hit is you. So, Lord, work it out of me. Give me a good cleanse. Give me a good detox. Turn to Acts 1 and we'll close. This is another funny one I thought of this week. The almost apostle. I mean... (laughs) I mean, some of us, you know, I don't know what it, how you're applying this, you know, job promotion, a how. I mean, you know, sometimes you just know, like, I, I just, I could never get that, and then it just, but how many of you, you've been so close, like, you were the last two candidates of an interview of 100, and then it's like, yeah, you're like, how many of you have ever been there, like, you were so close, like, so close, and then again, the tendency is to waste the next six months, five years. I, I, I did deliverance on a guy one time. It was an issue 20 years ago where he got overlooked at his job and spent his entire life trying to prove people wrong. Every time you try to prove yourself, you will lose the fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. Every time you try to prove you, they, listen, forget your haters. This is not the mob and the mafia. We, we didn't get slighted and got overlooked, and I swear on my father's grave that I'm going to ascend to the top of a stop. 
that's all fueled by bitterness and unforgiveness and jealousy and all the works of the flesh. When you were that close and you got overlooked, you've got to trust that God is the one who knows your heart and He is the one who has the ability to bring you where He wants you. So let's look at Matthias. He was oh so close. Poor guy. Acts 1.23. You remember this? Because Judas had betrayed Jesus, so they got to find one more. So they're on a church at Heart of the Father to find the next great apostle, the next great Catherine Kuhlman, the next elder, the next deacon, the next kids' church pastor. All right, they put forward two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, I'm telling you, look, this, this prayer is, is it this morning. How did they pray? Lord, who knows the hearts of men. The Lord, who knows. See, we can't fake them out. I'm so proud of you. I'm so glad that you just got a promotion and I can barely pay my bills. <laughs> Merry Christmas! You got a bonus. I can't even pay my mortgage. The Lord who knows how is your heart when you feel overlooked. And again, I'm just going to prophesy it'll happen again and again and again and again until the waters of our hearts become purified and glad and desiring that God, I ask that you would promote and that you would bless and that you, Lord, I want you to bless people so much that it just literally extinguishes any resentment and bitterness in my heart. And Lord, after you get done with my heart, give me a heart to go serve them. Because again, this is unheard of. You thought you were qualified to be the so-and-so. You didn't get it. So you go back to the Lord and say, Lord, deal with me. And then he's dealt with you in such a way that you're going to serve that guy faithfully until the Lord opens up a door for you. You never hear that anymore. Good riddance with them, that bum. He's a failure. We dig up their track record, all the reasons why. Welcome, Kanye West. And it's so sad. The Lord is literally using Kanye West to bring an awakening to the, our nation, and the people who hate them the, him the most are Christians. You know why? He has more influence than them. It has nothing to do with his doctrine. Oh, he better be bearing forth fruit. No, he's bearing forth more fruit than you have in 20 years, sir. And he's been saved three months. We've been rotten. Oh, hallelujah. We've been rotten on the church pew for 20 years. God torches some 20-year-old with the fire of the gospel. 
He sold out. And you know who ends up putting out his fire? The guy that's been on the pew for 20 years. Because this young guy bearing forth fruit is reminding this guy of how much he doesn't have. Saints, God, give us a heart that celebrates and that rejoices. And is, some of you, you can't even call your family. You can't even call people to, hey, I just got what I dreamed of. I just can't. Because, you know, on the other end of the phone, it's like, psh, psh. God, change our hearts. But the apostles prayed. They got two brothers. And again, most of us would be like, well, God, you know, so pick them. No, Lord, you know the hearts of all men. Show which one of these two you have chosen to occupy this ministry of apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they drew lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. How do you think Joseph felt? I guarantee you he was right there with the apostles. He did the work. He did the, but this guy goes home, and it's interesting. We never hear from him again. I pray that if I get overlooked, if I feel slighted, that you'll hear from me again. Not that they just gave up on God, that, oh, Lord, you didn't help me with my destiny. I mean, just, you know. What happens if you, you do all you can do and then you know, we go back to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, you know my heart. Acts 15, it's directly connected to this. Lord, you know my heart. This Greek word heart, it's only used one other time in the Scripture in Acts 15. Again, a very interesting thing has happened. There's been disagreements. There's been debates. There's going to be disagreements in the church. You are not going to get along with everyone. Should I say that again? If you're a member of the body, raise your hand here at Heart of the Father. All right, you're not going to get along with everyone. You're not going to just, you know, it's like bringing a young newlywed honeymoon couple and saying, it's great now, but just wait. When those puzzle pieces start trying to lock together and we've got an outreach and we've got this and that, and maybe you see it a different way, how are we going to get through? So there's been a disagreement about the law and circumcision. Everyone's gathered. Look at verse 6 in Acts 15. And the apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. How'd you like to hear that? Hey, God didn't choose you, He chose me. What an arrogant, what a, what a prideful... No, you're right, Peter. God did chose you. Praise God. 
And God who knows the heart, here he goes again, and God who knows the heart bore witness to them, giving them the Holy Spirit just as he also did. Whether we're talking about gifts and callings and grace, or even in the coming years at this church, if there's disagreement, if there's perspective, hang your hat on this. God knows your heart. And He knows your heart so deeply, He will reveal it to others around you. So I just started praying differently. You go before people, you have a dispute. You're just going in, and again, it's like, I'm going to get them, and I'm going to prove them wrong, and I'm going to... Lord, you know my heart. And trust me, he does. When you say, Lord, you know, you know Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, the Lord, ju- excuse me, um, um, my conscience is clear, but only God can judge me. In other words, I could think that I'm right and God the judge comes in and says, no, you're not. You ever ask your kids that? Like, are you lying? No. Are you lying? No. And you just kind of keep pressing the heat and the heat and then the Holy Spirit says, yes, I lied. God, I'm good. I'm clean. I'm fine. My heart's right. Booyah. And he just keeps that pressure, that pressure. No, no, no. I've gone to meetings just, just recently where I was expecting an apology and I was the one who repented. Hello. I went into the meeting with a list of what they did to me and at the end, I, somebody, some women in here are like, oh, hallelujah. God, do it in my marriage. But when your heart is pure, it's before the Lord. You're just saying, Lord, you choose. God, you are the, the Greek word is the knower of the heart. God knows every single person's heart in this room. I believe the heart of God clearly at heart of the Father as he's assembling a family. We're in a season of transition where God is asking us to become involved like never before. But part two is what happens when the puzzle pieces don't fit together. What happens if you're in this room and you're saying, wow, God, I have a testimony, I have a history, but I'm just not being fitted. Can we mature enough out of fleshliness into a realm of spirituality where whether we get picked or not, we just say, Lord, you're the God of the heart. I want to ask you to bow your heads and the way that God gave this to me is I believe that first of all this applies to some relationships in our life. Whether it's in this room with a member or maybe somebody at work. I don't know if there's a debate, a disagreement, a family issue. Then I want to pray for marriages. Just hear, just hear these whispers, but they're not listening. But they're not hearing me. God, we just put all the butts on the table. 
we, we, we remove the distraction of what they're not doing. And we just say, God, the knower of the heart, would you come and would you cleanse us? Lord, your word says that you reveal truth in the inward parts. God, I lift up marriages in this room that are struggling, that are fighting, maybe even that look great on Sundays and it's a train wreck during the week. I hear God saying to a married woman in this room, stop putting pressure on your husband and start putting pressure on me. Stop putting pressure on your husband and start putting pressure on me in the secret place. God, I'm just asking for a shift, an agreement, and a cleansing. Now, Lord, I pray for this body at heart of the Father that you would bind us together in love. That when we recognize that some of the puzzle pieces don't fit exactly alike, draw us back to the secret place and allow you to fashion us and forge us into who you've called us to be. God, I break the power, the stronghold of any factions, any demonic resistance. Lord, I ask that you would clear the path for this church, that nothing would get in the way of what you would want to do in the future. I hear God even saying right now, beware of misunderstanding. Psalm 50 amazingly illustrates this whole service this morning. In Psalm 50, the Lord is talking to his people, and he says, I want to gather you together. He's talking to his people. He said, I am the judge. I am the king. I am the one who is going to judge the situation. So he calls his people together, and he says, I'm looking for a sacrifice. But it's not the sacrifice that you think. I'm not, I don't need an animal. I own the, th the animals on the hills. I, uh, the, you know, the, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. I don't need your sacrifice. He said, call to me in your day of trouble and offer to me the sacrifice of thanksgiving. That is the sacrifice that the Lord is asking for in our lives. And then the chapter goes on. So God says, in your day of trouble, call out to me. In your day of misunderstanding, when you have taken offense, 
God wants us to know that the door of offense goes two ways. Every door, it goes two ways. You can go in and you can go out. Your door of offense is also your door of mercy. You can, you can just go one way, but God, wants that. God does not want that. The door of offense is also a door of mercy. Because you need mercy, and I need mercy. One time I was so offended. Someone hurt me so badly, and I just, I was like, God, you see, I just feel like my heart is bleeding right now. You see this? You know? And he says to me, Diane, it's my door of mercy that I'm offering to you. You have to forgive because there's mercy that you need. I'm trying to offer you mercy by asking you to forgive. So he tells us, call to me in your day of trouble. I will deliver you. But instead of going to the Lord, we go to another brother. We go to someone else who's going to bolster our opinion of the situation. And we're going to get some affirmation that we're right, bless God. But that's not what the Lord wants. We go to others and he says, listen to me, you who forget God. I mean, in that passage is so striking. It's incredible. It's unbelievable because he says, when you do that, when you just forget me, you throw my words aside, my words of telling you to trust in me because I will deliver you, my words that I will heal you, that I will come into that situation and I can turn that marriage around. When Jeremiah said that there's a lady in here and she's putting pressure on her husband and God wants her to put pressure on him, that's what he wants us to do in all of our situations. When we have a difficulty, when we have a disagreement, when we're in, we're in contention with someone, to go to the Lord instead of, do you know what they did? Do you know how they offended me? Do you know what happened? Oh, did you know that... The, Instead of doing that, he says, you who forget me, he said, listen, before I come and tear you to pieces. That is the word of God. He is offended when we just throw his words aside. We just toss it aside. Like he's not God. He is the judge. He is God. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to go to him in our day of trouble. He says, call out to me. Offer to me the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And the very last verse in Psalm 50, he said, whoever offers praise is the one who glorifies me. He's not trying to say that your feelings don't matter. He's not trying to say that the pain, just sweep it under the carpet and pretend you don't have any pain. He's just saying, bring your pain to me. Bring it to me. Call out to me. Whoever offers praise glorifies me. And the one who orders his way aright, I will show the salvation of God. Do you want the salvation of God or do you want to be right? Do you want the salvation of God in your marriage? Do you want the salvation of God in your relationships? Do you want the salvation of God 
Because if you do, we can go to him. He said he'll deliver us in the day of trouble. And he said we can position ourselves to receive the kingdom of God when we go to him with a heart of faith, saying, Father, yes, you know the hearts. You know everyone's hearts, and I don't know them. I may be hurt, but I don't know their heart. You know. And, Lord, I just thank you that you are going to have your way in this person's life. They may have hurt me, Lord. They didn't mean it. They hurt me. But, God, you're going to glorify your name in their life. You are going to have your way. The Bible says he will have his way with every Everyone in the army of heaven and with everyone on the face of the earth, God will have his way. You know what? We can thank him for that. He will have his way. He will glorify his name because he is the king and he is the judge. He cares about our hearts. He cares about what happened to you. He wants you to come to him and offer him the praise. Offer the pain to him and offer the praise to him. And watch and see what he will do. Give us clean hands, God. Give us pure hearts. God, we pray for clean hands and pure hearts in our lives and our marriages and our families at this church. God, give us clean hands and pure hearts. God, let let motivations, let attitudes be exposed. Even right now, God, work on us, Father. We want your sanctifying work in our lives. Lord, if we're wrong, show us, Lord. Even if we're right, help us to take the low road. Lord, it's your truth that sets us free. Make us lovers of the truth. There's an older man here. I believe you're a visitor. I believe the Lord is going to restore a relationship with your biological son very soon. God is preparing your heart to receive him in a deeper way like you did years ago. Father, let your word accomplish every desire that you've sent for it. Jesus, we love you. And everybody said, amen, amen. Have a great week. We love you all, and uh, we'll be with you on Wednesday. God bless you.